0: today's unpredictable and often hectic climate, emergency management has been forced to evolve in response to changes in the size and scope of modern disasters. Welcome to HXGN Radio. My name is Brian, and today we are joining Zach Nichols as he interviews Dr. Satyamurthy Kabbalan, Vice President of the Public Policy Forum. We welcome in Dr. Satyamurthy Kabbalan, Vice President of the Public Policy Forum to HXGN Radio. I want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And as we continue, may I call you Cabby? Please do. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Cabby, I was hoping we could start today um, by describing the environment emergency management leaders currently find themselves in. What are the kind of things that we're facing um, on the day-to-day on the ground?
1: Well, that's a really interesting uh, question to start with, because I think I can safely say the only constant that emergency management professionals face today is change. You don't know from day to day whether you're (laughs) going to wake up and have to deal with, is it going to be a wildfire today? Is it going to be a flood, a hurricane, a tornado, um, an active shooter? Is it going to be someone with a vehicle going downtown? The unfortunate truth is there are emergency managers who've had to deal with most of those, if not almost all of them. So we live in a fairly unpredictable environment. It's changing constantly. And I think the real challenge in all of that is, is what you learned as an emergency manager and what you've been using for the last 10, 20 years, is that still going to get you success in a world where things have changed so significantly from the time when you first trained and when you first learned?
0: Yeah, and I think that's a perfect point. And I guess the question then for, I'm assuming our listeners are going to be asking and, and that I want to know is overall, as, as this is, is extended over time, what has the response been on behalf of these managers?
1: I think that emergency managers across the globe have certainly woken up to the fact that things are changing really quickly. And it's pretty unpredictable in terms of the environment they have to deal with. Certainly the all-hazards approach, you don't think about your emergency just in terms of, say, a wildfire, if you live in a high wildfire risk area. You do think about the other threats that you might have to face. So one of the things that I think has certainly embedded itself within the emergency management profession is recognizing that it's not just going to be a weather disaster you might face a whole range of things and how do you prepare for that i think the second big piece that has really registered with emergency managers today is they are coming to the realization that those old techniques the old tools the things that we learned before the things that have been you know the pillars of emergency management for maybe the last two three four decades may not necessarily be the best tools to get you through in the future right so i think a lot of them are waking up to the fact that hey We have to do things a little bit differently if we want to succeed. In terms of those pressure points,
0: are they facing the most uncertainty in terms of the events themselves? Is it just in the aspect that these things are constantly changing? Where is this coming up the most?
1: Well, literally, it's in almost everything. So in in the events, well, think about it this way. You know, if you think about the city of Toronto uh, not too long ago, they had an individual in a van drive through pedestrians. But the person who was in the van was not radicalized in the ideologies that most people would normally assume. He was adhering to a misogynistic ideology. And that was what drove him to take his actions by the reports that we've seen. So even in the incidents that do occur, so first of all, it's Who would expect a van to go through a downtown city center and hit people? You know, three or four years ago, probably no one. Today, almost everyone. So the incident itself has changed. The second thing that's changing is even within those incidents, who's doing it? Why, why is this happening? That's change. That applies to natural disasters as well. If you think about flooding, if you think about where it's gone, Hurricane Sandy, I think, was a, an incredible wake-up call for the city of New yep. York, just in terms of the challenge it could provide. So we're seeing not only the incidents changing, but within those incidents itself, the aspects of how you deal with it, what it might be responsible for, what sort of issues it causes, all of that's changing which is why I go back to the original point I made. The only thing constant in today's emergency management environment is change and evolution. Sure. Um, and I'm assuming then that you would say that
0: the stakes are higher now than they've ever been.
1: Absolutely. Think about it this way What's the first place you go to for information on an emergency, or where do you first hear from it? I think nine out of 10 people, if not more, would probably answer on social media somewhere. Twitter probably for me, yeah. Exactly. And more and more, we're getting, not only are we getting information very quickly, we're getting it from multiple sources. There's so much attention focused on each and every incident. I think the old... Uh, saying that's been used a number of times when it comes to communications in the, model social me- in the modern social media world is, if you don't feed the beast, the beast will feed itself. Yep. And the beast is large. And <laughs> the beast is everywhere. So there is a huge amount of attention. There's a huge amount of interest. Everybody wants to know everything and they want to know it right now. So yes, in today's world i think that's another big challenge whereas previously you know if you were managing an incident yeah. you might be able to go you know i'll wait i'll wait until i know more before i say anything in today's world you might have had thousands of people commenting on the incident with false information with things they're speculating about yeah. because they haven't heard from you yeah
0: I like the the concept of a ubiquitous beast that uh <laughs> it is it
1: is indeed actually it's it's really interesting to say ubiquitous beast. I always think about social media this way. if you only get onto social media when an emergency occurs, you might as well not have used it right because social media ubiquitous is the right word it's not something that just pops up every now and then It's something you need to build, you need to cultivate, yep. you need to build trust, you yep. need to have an audience, and if you don't do that in advance the beast is ubiquitous. It doesn't wait to it's pop up when key, you want yep. it. So yep. you have to be on there. It's a commitment. It's a constant need to be part of that conversation and I think that's something that sometimes emergency managers okay. don't quite realize. They think their roles just in the emergency. Yep, so let's so let's pick that up then because I think what you're
0: talking about is some of the characteristics that you want to see from these emergency management leaders. Um, the first question is what are the best you know what are the best attributes that that these leaders can have, and the second question is how have these characteristics needed to evolve over time in order to adapt to the change that we 're seeing day to day
1: Well, first and foremost, I will say that any characteristics I give you today will be relevant based on what we 've seen recently, sure. but with that constant mantra of change, it might have evolved by the time we speak again in the future, so that's one thing to keep in mind. If we start looking at those emergency management officials who've been really successful when you've seen good responses and we look across them, there's some key characteristics that emerge. One of those characteristics which I think you know people really need to to keep in mind today is the need for innovation. Now, innovation equals risk. By definition, if something's innovative, it's risky. Hundred percent. Can you imagine? an emergency manager saying, okay, we don't quite know. Let's try that new thing or new tool or new approach in the midst of an emergency. That's probably just about as far removed as uh, from how most emergency management professionals would like to operate. But it's a necessity today because if the tools that we used previously and the techniques, the processes that we use start failing as we go forward, can we simply rely on the same old tools as we did before? And we've seen this in emergencies time and time again. If you, for example, only rely on traditional communications and traditional tools for emergency communication between the public and first responders, will you remain relevant? It's a great example from the hurricanes we had in the southern U.S., The normal uh, approach most emergency management professionals use is, okay, in an emergency, don't tweet us, don't send us a Facebook message, call 911. What happens when 911 is overwhelmed? What happens when a volunteer group, in this case, the Cajun Navy, shows up and says, you know what? Call us on Facebook, send us a message, we'll come help. And they did. In fact, they did a great job and great example of volunteers who made a difference. So now we're seeing a complete shift in paradigm. You can't just rely on what you used to do before. You have to start going to where people want to communicate. And I can't remember—I can't remember what book it is.
0: I was reading this recently, actually, but it was—it was essentially saying that, um, especially in, in very high leverage, high pressure, high risk situations, um, we tend to fall back on previous repeated patterns yes. of behavior because that's what neurologically we yep. we lock back into. And this is sort of a side point, but I'm curious, like how how then for those emergency management leaders, as we're getting into situations um, that are increasingly more predictable, you mentioned the southern hurricanes, increasingly more unpredictable in terms of ecological events, um, are there things that they can do within their agencies in order to make those responders more ready to kind of shrug off maybe the natural training and say, okay, this is a different kind of thing. This
1: change is now coming to me, how am I going to respond in the moment? So we started off this conversation, you know, talking about innovation and risk. And I think that's the the key here. You need to have a front line and right up to the top line in emergency management that's comfortable with taking risk and trying new things. But you have to do it in a structured way. You can't exactly take a risk with someone's life directly. So, you know, you do have to draw certain lines as to where you do things. And it isn't about breaking your old training. It is about understanding what the outcome of that training is. So if you had a standard communications protocol that says, you know, I'll stand in front of the TV for 20 minutes or I'll do a radio interview and that will be it. What's the outcome you're aiming for? You're aiming for better public knowledge. Right. So that's the outcome. You can still get to that outcome, but now you'd use some new tools. So that's how we should look at innovation and how we should look at risk taking. Where is it that we're trying to reach an outcome where the current tools are being challenged? They can't quite get us to that outcome, and so what can we do to try something new that will help us reach that? So leaders today need to be supportive of those who are willing to take some of those risks in a controlled way, but very importantly, willing to learn from them, because not all of these risks are gonna work out. Yep. So what do you learn? What do you implement? And kind of on the side of that, it's don't just look in the same old places. If you want new ideas, you need to look outside. Great examples from Hurricane Sandy, using designers and others to look at different ways to create reception centers on the back of disasters. We had virtual volunteers show up at Hurricane Sandy, one, of, one set of which developed a whole fuel availability map. Oh, wow. Absolutely innovative. The skills to do that were not present in government, but they did it. Right. So you also need to look outside the traditional emergency management boundaries for new ideas.
0: Okay. And, and I think those are some key points of emphasis. And I'm assuming that when you're talking to these leaders, those are some of the things you're highlighting. Absolutely. Um, let me ask one, because those are a lot of really um, what we would call soft skills, right? So I want to I move to the hard skills real quick. Um, in terms of our ability to take in data, to then analyze that data, and then apply it to emergency response, can you give our listeners a, a little bit of some insight as to where you think um, maybe we're being inefficient in that process right now, which you think we're doing really well, um, but kind of an overview of
1: how data plays a role in emergency response. When my team studied the response to Hurricane Sandy, we met with Joe Bruno, who's the former commissioner for emergency management in the city of New York. He had a great phrase, which he used that day, which is, if you lose the data, you lose the emergency. And that was a recognition that data provides us with so much, the ability to really understand our situation, the ability to give us very specific awareness, and to help make our actions really impactful and more efficient. And that data's all around us today. We're gathering it in so many ways data today is absolutely core in terms of what emergency management leaders need to understand in terms of what's available, what they can glean from it, and how they then get those insights into action right at the front line. So there is certainly a challenge within, let's start with the emergency response family. There's a challenge first and foremost in terms of recognizing the data. Where is it? how you can get access to it, how you can use it, how you can build insights out of it. And we have to always be careful because when it comes to data and analytics, garbage in equals garbage out. Do you think that process is getting easier? I think it certainly is, because there's a broader recognition about the importance of data. Uh, I've certainly seen in some of the best examples of emergency management, where the organizations have broken down the silos uh, across the different divisions that they work in. City of Calgary is a great example for this. If you go to their Emergency Operations Center, you'll see the seats for different city functions in there, um, all the way from police to different branches of the city, and then some of the core organizations that are important to any form of response. And here's where the second nugget comes in around data. Even as an emergency response organization, or even as government, you're probably not going to have all the data you need. A lot of it's going to be outside with the private sector. Last question.
0: Mentioned garbage in, garbage out. Are we getting better data right now? Yes and no. Okay. (laughs)
1: The data is actually there in most cases. In most cases, there's some very good data, but finding it, making sure you can access it, and then building good analytics on top of it, not always the greatest thing. I think the challenge has been, and as I said, that's starting to happen, is first of all, breaking down the silos so you know what data you've got to start with, um, and you know what you've got to play with. Because when you get the very limited set, it's not so much whether it's garbage in, garbage out, but it's also a very limited view of the world. So yes, we're getting better at it. We're getting better at recognizing good data. Don't just use data because it's there. Use data because it can actually lead you to insight. And that I think is in the garbage in, garbage out argument. Because if you're simply using data because it's data, it's not going to give you anything. If you're using data because it's relevant and can give you an insight which will help you in your response, you're more than likely to get good value out. I want to
0: give a big thank you, a huge thank you to our guest, Cabby, uh, for coming here today and, uh, and talking to us. For more information about emergency response and what we talked about today, please visit infrastructure.com. If you want to listen to additional episodes or learn more, please visit hxgnspotlight.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Zach and Dr. Satchamorthy, thank you very much. For more information on today's topic, visit hexagonsafetyinfrastructure.com. And to learn even more and listen to additional episodes, head over to hxgnspotlight.com. And thank you very much for joining us here on HXGN Radio.